0: does support the ABM concept of rather than just taking leads and throwing them over the fence from marketing to sales, working on the same prioritized account list.
1: You're listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast, a daily podcast dedicated to helping B2B marketing, sales, and customer success professionals become masters of their craft. It's Friday, so this is our hashtag One Hero episode. In these episodes, we highlight and celebrate a blog post and contributor from our community, and discuss topics surrounding sales, marketing, and customer success. Here we go.
2: Sangram here, super excited! I'm the co-founder, chief manager here at Terminus, and I love everything about uh, ABM, as most of you probably already know. Uh, But today, one of the big reasons we're doing this webinar is because we want to answer the four most important questions that we've been hearing for the last year or so. And I think they're becoming even more complicated as there are new technology and new information that's introduced. We're going to talk about how do you define your total addressable market? I think most people are challenged right here. So we're going to really break it down. Uh, We're going to talk about the marketing sales collaboration, but really give you very specifics um, how to do it. Then define engagement. I think engagement is one of those fluffy words that everybody thinks that we don't know what it means. We're going to hear to an example to, to hear that as well. And then finally, which we all really want to do is measure success with AVM programs. So today I have two incredible guests. Uh, we were uh, talking about this a couple of weeks ago and then quickly we have this webinar. So I have Rani, who is the uh, VP of marketing. And then we also have Sarah, who's the acquisition manager as Optimize. I'm going to have each one of them introduce themselves today and also share a fun fact about themselves. So Sarah, let's start with you.
0: Okay, great. Thanks so much, Sangram, for the opportunity. Thanks to our audience for listening today. I'm Sarah McLinchy. I'm the Acquisition Manager here at Optimize. I've been at Optimize for about a year. I do have a background in software as a service. I actually was introduced to ABM back in 2016 and Terminus as well. So my ABM journey is uh, coming coming up on three years, and I really do love um, all things ABM. I also love all things marketing. Uh, I also worked in content marketing and B2C marketing for a medical device startup for years. Um, So I'm happy to share that my fun fact is that I was once a children's clothing model for Macy's department store.
1: Wow, that's a fun fact. I don't think (laughs) many of you can top that. (laughs) Hi everyone. Uh, my name is Rennie Fidmon. I am the VP of Marketing at Optimize. Uh, Optimize is focused on the sales performance management space, and specifically looking to transform sales operations into a strategic advantage. Been at Optimize for a little over two years, and my ABM journey probably started about six years ago.
2: Wow, six years ago. Well, we need to dig into that. Uh, like wow, because I, I don't think. Six years ago, ABM wasn't a thing. What got you started on the journey of ABM like six years ago?
1: Sure. I mean, uh, the reasons then um, are similar to the reasons why I brought uh, account-based marketing to Optimize. And that's basically where any, organiz- any B2B organization with a really long sales cycle, you really need to be able to see the activity at the account level visitations to your website, how they're interacting with your marketing materials. And so I started out from a measurement perspective.
2: Love that. Love that. All right. So, uh, and uh, your fun fact.
1: So up until uh, about a week ago or so, may uh, ruin my reputation as a technologist, but I was still using a uh, iPhone 4S. (laughs) Uh,
2: Wow. I don't know if uh, if we can actually go. And now we're doing this this webinar, just video, no slides whatsoever. So I think we're making quite a quite a mark right now. You're, you're That's doing a good. shock
0: for me. That's the first time I've heard that. I'm I'm proud to hear that, Renny.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I have upgraded to the ten now, though.
2: <laughs>
1: that is awesome.
2: All right, so let's talk about TAM, Total Addressable Market. The word, the phrase, the the whole thing around TAM. I don't think it has been fully understood by most marketers. And I remember when I was running marketing at Pardot. The number one charter I had was create as many leads as I possibly can. And that just meant like there is an unlimited supply of leads that in the universe that I, I'm able to just pull it out from anywhere. How do you define TAM in your organization and, uh, and how should people think about it?
0: So TAM is interesting. So TAM does support the ABM concept of rather than just taking leads and throwing them over the fence from marketing to sales, working on the same prioritized account list, forcing you to prioritize. TAM, I had a lot of fun creating our TAM because it forced me and the team to define our ideal customer profile. So you start with your ideal customer profile. And then from there, we use, there's lots of different technologies you could use. The technology we use though is LinkedIn Sales Navigator because for our ideal customer profile, we're looking for accounts that have a sales force of 250 people or more. So we used uh, LinkedIn sales navigator and we conducted a search for accounts that fit that profile. Um, but just back to the TAM, I do want to mention though that what's so helpful for Tim is that you're essentially, you're defining your ideal customer profile, but it makes it really easy to prioritize accounts because that's what you're working with. That's your total addressable market. Those are all the accounts that you could ever market to. And then to develop target account lists from there, you have a base. So when leads come in if they're from your TAM and or those target accounts countless it's likely they're quality lead. So it really results in a much more efficient use of everyone's time across all functions. So on our side just to close up how we developed our TAM, so we from that list which returned, you know, thousands of results in LinkedIn Sales Navigator of companies that fit our customer profile, we segmented those. So A, B and C So A, accounts have a sales force of 1,000 or more. B, accounts have a sales force of 250 to 999 salespeople with either a flat or growing uh, rate. So the sales force was either flat or growing in numbers. And then C was accounts that had the same number of salespeople, 250 to 999, but declining and not growing. So that's how we prioritize. And from there, we create target account lists to support our different initiatives, we segment based on different things like industry and persona, and we're actually starting to segment based on intent as well. So it really gives us a strong base for all of our marketing uh, campaigns.
2: And when, when you created the, the whole, and I'm, as I'm taking notes around this, is I love the tiering of A, B, and C. Typically, the way I've heard tiering is, well, the, obviously the size. But then I've never heard increasing, like you know, you know, NB is like, oh, they're you know, they're kind of doing well, what's the C declining? What's the thought behind that?
0: So the thought is that it's scalable for us as an organization. So if they because we are working with our clients on a per user basis. So if the number of and our software is designed or a solution is primarily designed for um, salespeople. So if there are more salespeople and there are an increasing and they are increasing in number, then we can scale with that. So it's a better business opportunity for us. Right.
2: Is, is there, and when you get, when you both came
1: up and uh, how big is your marketing team right now? The marketing function is part of the overall revenue team. Yeah. Uh, there's about 40 people in the marketing function and about 90 in the overall revenue team. Wow. That's amazing.
2: Now, within that, when you define TAMP, was that an understood principle in the organization or you have to educate everybody? to figure out, well, this is how we define TAM and this is why we are doing it. Was there an education process
1: down? There was. I mean, what we did was we worked with our sales leadership and we actually built out books of business for each of the articles that we cover. And those books of business were built out of our total addressable market. Yeah. Um, so the, book, the the concept of a book of business was easily understood yeah. by the organization. We just kind of uh, used the total addressable market ability
2: it's super interesting, right? When you use the same language that the whole organization, the executive team is using, the sales team and the CFO and the CEO, then obviously we're getting some sort of alignment. I think that's where I'll just joke around the fact that you go and talk to your sales team and find out what their titles are. And you will hear very quickly that title is an account executive, which means they should be you need to be focusing on their accounts and not your leads. So the language matters so much. So that is really, really interesting. So Serenny, so maybe... I would love to kind of take a step back and like, why Optimize needed to do ABM? What was the big reason Optimize needed to, because there are so many ways you could do it. I mean, obviously you're a growing company, a lot of people obviously have great brand presence. You could be just, you know, doing a ton of just lead manage, like tons of leads could come in. I'm sure they come in as well. Why did you have to focus on alien as a strategy?
1: Yeah. So there's a few different reasons. One, for any B2B organization with a long sales cycle, you really need to, break down that sales cycle and break down the activities on that cycle. We are very focused and optimize on managing opportunities. And so mm-hmm. opportunity management became a key for us. And we were getting a ton of leads in that were just not qualified. And the whole qualification process seemed very inefficient to me. And so instead of getting the leads in and then qualifying them, what we looked to do was pre-qualify. So every account within our total addressable market has an opportunity by definition. So it's not a matter of if it's a quality opportunity; it's a matter of when. Right. So, uh, so in in a sense, are you
2: like this is really interesting? So are we saying that if you are in B two B, there is no need for you to be guessing about which accounts you could potentially close. You you need to know how many accounts you are you can possibly close. Regardless unlimited timeline, but like possibly will you absolutely need to know a finite number of accounts so you can start your marketing program
1: there? Yes. And it's really the main key is it allows us to measure our success. And so one of the key metrics we look at is what I label brand reach, which yes. basically is a, uh, a look at what percent of our total addressable market is visiting our website at the account level over a rolling 90 day period. And so we measure that percentage and we use that to show increasing or decreasing success in our marketing campaigns. The second metric, which you also would not be able to use if you don't have a total addressable market is account penetration. And Mm -hmm. so that's the number of people on average within an account that are visiting your site. Love
2: that, love that. Now, are these metrics like existing metrics that you always measured as an organization or are these new as you implemented ABM?
1: These are new, not only as we implemented ABM, but specifically as we implemented the total addressable market within the organization. That's fantastic. All right, so let's
2: talk more about measurement in general, because I think that this is where a lot of people have the hardest time. I hear it all the time, it's 600, 700 customers here now at Terminus. That oh this is great we can do ABM it makes perfect sense of course we should be targeting the right people on the right channel at the right time and you know get engaged but when it comes to measuring success and then reporting up to the VP of marketing and then VP of marketing to CMO to the CEO level and then to the board level having it becomes really hard for some organizations how have you both navigated that
1: yeah so let's if I back up a second what we are measuring is at an audience level. So we don't look at our marketing, I mean, we measure the direct attribution from our marketing campaigns, but what's more important to us is measuring the overall success of our mar- of our marketing as well. And so we're looking at it at an audience level, whether that audience is the, the entire total addressable market or a segment of it, what we're looking for is increasing engagement and we're looking to reach a larger percentage of the influencers and the buying group. And how do you define engagement? We are defining engagement currently as visiting our website page views. We are, we, we've gone back and forth on whether to use sessions or page views, but we've landed on page views.
2: I'm sure Sarah has like a bunch of. sheets, like maybe looking at like 20 different things and how they perform.
0: Yes, um, I do want to mention. So along those lines too, a great way to measure account penetration is you can look at. I mean, I think you can look at page views along the lines of lift. That's a term that we use a lot. So, you know, did we see an increased number of page views from these accounts that we're targeting with their account-based marketing programs? But then you could also look at, as far as account penetration, did they consume to that point more content? And were they likely, more likely to convert? So we actually did, um, we did a campaign to specific accounts that were in our pipeline into the, in the mid to later stages of of the funnel. And we, we targeted them with industry-based case studies. So specific to their industry as part of our um, ABM program. And what we saw when we we were actually able to compare those those accounts to a lookalike audience across a six-month time period, and we saw that those accounts consumed 14% more content, and they were 5.7 times more likely to give us their email, so Mm -hmm. to convert. So those are, I think, pretty strong numbers. I know, as we all know, uh, it's difficult to get someone to even, you know, look at your content and then click on content and then to actually give you their information is even more difficult.
2: So is there, you know, is there a reason why and like, that is a great example, you know, for a pipeline velocity is driving it. And I know if, if there's one thing that I would, they, I'll ask and everybody listening to it is to take away from it so far is that if you want to start ABM, maybe you need to start small and, and probably where the most money is. And if you follow money, if that's typically the, the lingo to be used, if you follow money and apply some marketing to it, typically people will listen. So pipeline velocity, as, uh, as Sarah just shared, it is one of the most underutilized strategy in most organizations because typically when marketing you know, is typically focused on, on demand generation and then as soon as it turns into an opportunity, marketing is hands-off and sales is like, well, this is where we got it. How did you convince your organization to, to even jump into pipeline velocity and look at this?
1: I think you hit it on the key, right? You follow the money, right? But from our organization, as I mentioned earlier, we're very focused on opportunity management. And one of the big initiatives of um, our preset was to create a single unified revenue team. And so, yes, prior to that, there was a handoff, right? But that left a huge burden on the salesperson, Right. They have to build the relationships. They have to, you know, change their minds. They have to convince them that now it's time to make a change. They have, you know, it's like, it's ridiculous what a burden that would be on the individual sales. Route.
2: I love the level of empathy you have on the sales team. Be, like this is going to be played over and over again. Because that's exactly what your market have is sales is hard. So keep going. I love that.
1: I love that. Yeah. So what we believe and what our president believes as well is that, you know, there is a incredible opportunity for marketing to help influence those opportunities throughout the whole opportunity life cycle. And so we are constantly running campaigns to influence more of the buying group, to influence the influencers, to, you know, get, every, you know, just because a, an account is at a certain point in the opportunity lifecycle life cycle, doesn't mean that every person who's part of that buying group is also at that same point. And so a lot of you know, there's as we learn more from the sales team from our STRs, we you know learn who may be just new to the the idea of purchasing our solution, right? And so they may they may need different messaging than the champion who has been you know involved in the process all along. And then at the late stages, you know, you have procurement that gets involved, you have IT that gets involved, and these are people that you could have been nurturing anonymously all along. the uh, the buying journey. So let's talk about the last point you just mentioned, anonymous versus known. How do you
2: differentiate it? Because that's not a concept I heard until we started, you know, you mentioned that before we started to record, I'm like, I want to double click on that. I I initially thought, well, yeah, we marketing supposed to work on the known, right? Like if somebody comes in and we nurture them and that's the focus. I didn't hear the concept of anonymous talked about before. So how how do you both define that? How do you think about it and what kind of how, how can people recognize it as valuable?
0: So I think, you know, as, I as the acquisition manager, I think acquisition in our organization has taken a, a different turn. It's, it has a different look. Acquisition is acquiring known leads. So those traditional methods of getting someone to opt in over email and give us their information or fill out a form. But then also I look at my role, half of it is acquiring those leads, but half of it is nurturing those unknown leads. So unknown leads are users who are coming to the site, who are consuming our content, who just don't want to give us their information. They're not ready to, they, maybe they don't want to at all, but they're still coming to the site. We're still able to nurture them and reach them even with ads. So I think it's a balance and I don't think it's, uh, I think it's, I think it would be, um, we'd be remiss if we didn't acknowledge those users too. So that's, you know, what Renny, had the point that Rennie made about influencing these accounts, that's a big part of influencing the accounts is getting your message in front of those unknown users.
1: Yeah, and we have seen over and over again in the tests that we've run when we split up our audiences. So we'll take 50% of our audience, put it in as a control group or smaller, whatever. We'll take another percent of the audience and run ads to it, that the ones that we're running ads to visit our site in much larger numbers than direct attribution would allow us to know about. And so you see see spikes in visitation from direct, from organic, as well as from your paid channels. Yeah. Would you
2: say if ABM wasn't a thing, and I'm just taking a detour over here, if ABM wasn't a thing and if you're still doing advertising, because I remember me doing advertising 10 years ago was like, okay, we want to do advertising. Let's do a big ad on. At that time, we're targeting, you know. Let's say you're targeted marketers. Let's get an ad on CMO.com and a front page ad and just and spend like twenty thousand dollars on it. And then you have still no idea what happened. It just looked good. It stroked a couple of people's ego in marketing and executive team that hey, we were on the homepage for the most annoying ad that we could possibly create for our, our future customers. And then that's it. And and people were still happy with that. I, I remember I was happy with that, which is such now. I feel like that's like a Cardinal sin, like, you know, why did I do that? That, that? that was a waste waste of money. If it wasn't for
1: ABM, would you still be doing advertising as one of the key drivers of creating a brand? Sure, we would be. I mean, uh, the idea of ABM is really about alignment. It's about focus. It's about focusing your efforts, your organization's efforts as a whole on the same group of accounts that are going to have the most value to your business. Whether that value is profitability or new logo acquisition or, you know, a big name that, you know, will allow you to close other sales, you know, and be referenceable, you know, there's a lot of different things that could be the strategic goal of your organization, but ABM allows you to focus on achieving that goal. Whereas otherwise, you know, you're fishing with a net, right? And you're hoping that to capture someone that will have that value to you. It's really much more of a spray and pray approach as opposed to going after the ones that you know will provide value to your organization. Oh,
2: all right. So we've talked about TAM. We've talked about engagement and how you measure engagement. How do you even define engagement? We talk about ICP. We talk about measuring success. For an example. Let's talk about, before we get, I want to talk about ABM stack in a little bit. Like, what is the tech stack that you're using? I think that's one of the big questions a lot of people have. And how you're leveraging existing versus bringing new tools. The one thing that I hate to even bring up is the sales and marketing alignment and collaboration. Because it almost feels like it's obvious that we should have sales and marketing alignment. And that was the whole point of it. Is I don't remember a ton of organizations that only have marketing teams. Typically, they have sales team apps. I know a ton of organizations that have sales teams and no marketing, team, right? So in, in many ways, it, it is a, a open for me to think about it, like, whoa, we exist to help sales close more deals, either through demand generation or capital velocity or customer marketing, whatever may it be, of course, we are there to build brand and stuff. But our job is to create incremental or exponential growth for, for their organization. It's our mindset. And I, I still see a lot of companies who struggle with it. How have you both been able to build this collaboration, create this ham, this measuring success? Seems like you all have a similar definitions of success, similar picture of success, which is kind of really hard for most organizations. How did you can you explain to some some things that you do in organization today that is helping this happen?
0: Yeah, I think I think you um, hit the nail on the head. It's very hard to do this. It's, but at the end of the day, I think as a marketer, I find more value in my job, because I'm, I can see that I, because I'm responsible, it means as much to me when an account closes as it does when it does to someone in sales. So there's shared celebration and shared success. But I think it started in our organization with creating a revenue team, as Renny mentioned earlier. So we're one team where sales and marketing is the revenue team. We're all responsible for driving revenue and creating reoccurring revenue. So in order to do that, we have to keep talking to each other. We have to have constant conversations. We have to constantly, I consider them constant account planning conversations. So we all have the same target account list. We all have the same, you know, we're all aware of the total addressable market. And we all know that, you know, an account needs to be part of the total addressable market in order to make it into a book of business. We're all aware of the book of business of basically in marketing of, each sales team. And then I personally have, and a lot of my uh, marketing colleagues, Rennie included, have regular conversations with the sales team asking them, okay, well, what's going on with this account? What's new? Who did you meet with last? And then they're looking at us like, okay, well, what's new? Where are they going on the website? What are they visiting? So it's not so much, again, like I mentioned earlier, getting those leads in and just like throwing them over to sales. And I think it's really a cross-functional continuous conversation that I think both parties want to have. So yeah, they both want success, but they also both want to have the conversation. So I've this is the first time and I've worked in marketing for about 10 years now in my career and that someone from sales has come to me and said, hey, can you help me out with this account? Like, And then I've said, oh, yeah, I saw that that account. I saw the alert. The account is at this stage and the opportunity. Wow. You, things, you know, things must be happening. Tell me what's happening. It's really fun. And um, I do want to mention that I think there are two things that really help with uh, marketing and sales collaboration. So, and this might be a good segue into the tech stack. So marketing uh, needs to have full visibility into the tech stack that sales is using. So getting alerts when opportunities advance, using LinkedIn Sales Navigator, the same lead, if you will, uh, generation system that sales uses come along essentially with the process from the beginning. and having visibility into what's happening in the process with each account. But then sales also has to have data visualization of accounts. So we created a dashboard, a data visualization, a dashboard of all accounts that by book of business, by region, mainly by book of business that show engagement levels of accounts. So they would show the effects of our marketing campaigns, as well as any paid, as well as our direct versus indirect engagement. So account engagement report. So get the two create a visibility and, and enable that continue, continuing conversation.
2: So let's share your tech stack. Can you share in, in, in whatever way and whatever depth you can of like, you in know, a, in a, for somebody to kind of wrap, because I think a lot of people are using so much tech around the world right now, but are there very specific tech that you're using that's really helping you be successful?
1: Yeah, so it starts out with our measurement tools. So we have tools that do the reverse IP lookup and allow us to know which accounts are visiting our website. Um, we use that to inform not only the effectiveness of what we're doing, but also to, as Sarah mentioned, show engagement scores to sales so they can prioritize their outreach as well. We, have, we use Dynamics as our CRM, Marketo as our marketing automation platform. We have our account-based advertising platforms like Terminus um, as well as others. We, uh, we're implementing right now right Funnel so that we can show marketing influence on pipeline and revenue generation more directly and answer that question that everyone asks, okay, what's working and what's not, right? And, you know, that tool is going to allow us to not only look at that at the campaign level, but even at the ad group level. So, uh, you know, measurement is one of the most important factors for us. But we use uh, account-based marketing methodologies to even choose what events we're going to go to. We'll look at how many of the previous attendees were from our total addressable market to decide whether or not we're going to attend an event. All right. right.
2: Right. I love that. So let, as as we wrap up, I want to share a couple of things that totally like, I feel I've, I took like a ton of notes of like everything that you both were talking about. There's just so much here. I want to go back and listen to it. But there are a few things that. That came up that i want to recap and then i want both of you to leave a challenge for everybody who's listening Who wants maybe to do it. and we'll start with sarah and we'll give you the final word running so a few things that jumped out uh, at me like right away first of all understand anonymous versus no and figure out what campus i feel like that's really a big idea i don't think most people are really looking at it that way so you're anonymous are as much if not more important to give you leading indicators of certain things happening as it is you know so if you spend all of your time unknown then you're missing out on something that could give a really great opportunity for your sales team and the second one sarah you said one team you all well, one team is one of terminus core values so i love when he said that because that that's great and when you talk about a central unified revenue team i feel like that's sort of sales marketing, calling it revenue team makes a ton of sense. The results that you both shared uh, are phenomenal, That 14% moving, moving up in there, the uh, lift and some of the other metrics. The other two things that were really interesting is it's really hard to think about what you're measuring if you don't define it for the entire organization. So it seems like you both have done a really good job of it. And the brand reach and account penetration are the new metrics that I don't think most marketers have as part of their vocabulary. So I'm, I'm glad that you shared that with Encourage you both to write more about it because I think people need to know what, how do you measure brand reach? What do you even mean by brand reach? And how do you educate not only the marketing organization but the CEO level? Like how would they understand it and how do you show success? both brand reach and account penetration are really incredibly new metrics that I don't think most people knew. And the last one was when you when you define TAM, ICP is a big part of it. And when you talked about tiering and segmenting and looking at where to work. This was a really big idea for me that you had A, B, and C tiers where A was thousand plus, and then B was two fifty to nine ninety nine, but then they're doing really well, versus C was not doing well, and you want to keep a pulse of it also fit so you can help your sales team. So all of these things, like ton more, I can just go on, but I'll, I'll keep it at that, and I'll give Sarah, share a challenge with everybody who's by at ABM, and then Rennie will finish off. With.
0: Okay, great. Well, thanks, Sangram, and thanks for the opportunity today. So I would challenge this group to start having conversations with your cross-functional colleague. it you're in sales or you're in marketing, or maybe you're in another function. Ask for visibility into the current pipeline of your organization and start thinking of each account and each opportunity as your own. So join, create, maybe even um, just offhandedly have account planning calls for each of those opportunities that you've gotten visibility into and really start thinking of how your function can help move that opportunity to close. It's really empowering when you as and for me as a marketer it was, when you but for any function when you realize that you know everyone can influence a sale. Everyone can influence the growth of your of the company you work for. So and it all starts with those conversations.
1: I would challenge the audience to think about measurement first. Don't make it be an afterthought. You want to make sure you know what your success metrics are going to be before you run your campaigns. And I would, as part of that, you know, don't don't overlook developing your total addressable market. It's what it's going to truly allow you to do new ways of measurement. Spend some time. You know, it's worth it.
2: Love it. It's worth it. Those are the final words. Thank you so much. This was fun. Great. Thank you
1: very much.
0: Thanks, everyone. Thanks, Sankram.